Thank you, buddy. Well, it, it is my privilege to be here. I, uh, I remember coming when you just got started and we were over in the school building. Some of y'all were probably over there then and came over here. And, uh, and it's amazing to see how this church has grown. And now God's giving you this new building and, uh, and you're filling it up and uh, three services. And then Scotty was showing me all around how we, he's got division for more parking over here and another lot over here and another building back here and improving this and changing that. You know, that's awesome, isn't it? That's the way it's supposed to be. A church that just stays the same doesn't stay the same. I want you to know that. You never stay the same. You're either going backwards or you're going forward because you're never going to be able to stay the same. So a church needs to be constantly reaching forward and looking to see what God's going to do for you in the future. And I know he has great, great things here. Oh, Scotty, you know, of course, y'all know that Scotty's hearing impaired, and uh, he used to sit around the staff. We have a big table for our staff meetings, and, uh, and he'd sit there around that staff table, and then I'd tell the staff things that I want them to do and want them to do this, want them to do that. And I'd come to Scotty and I'd say, Scotty, you didn't, you didn't do such and such. What are you, like you're supposed to be. Oh, I didn't hear you, Pastor. I didn't hear you. <laughs> Lying dog. He heard everything I said. He uses that to his advantage. That's what he's doing. And uh, so, you know, he did tell me that this service is his favorite service, though. Y'all are his favorite service. Did y'all know that already? Y'all didn't know that? Well, I'm telling you, he told me that second service is his favorite service. So you are the favorite service of all. <laughs> so, but I told the first service the same thing, so don't feel so high, high and mighty. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Take out your outline, follow along, fill in the blanks. The title of my message today is, You Can Make a Difference. You Can Make a Difference. Everyone dies, but not everyone lives. Write that down. Everyone dies, but not everyone lives. It is appointed that a man wants to die. We're all going to die. But it's sad to say that not everyone really lives because there's a lot of folks that don't live their life with influence. They don't live their life to impact others for the kingdom of God. And so they just go like through life. They just do life, but not really making a difference in the lives of other people, not really making a difference in the kingdom of God. And I really believe that God has placed us here on this earth to not just live, but to live making a difference for the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Let's start there. The Bible says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained before the foundations of the world that we should walk in them. Now, I want to focus in on just two parts of that verse. The Bible says that we are created in Christ Jesus. And that word created, it has the idea of taking something that was old and making it new something that was dead and making it alive. When a person receives Christ as their Savior, when a person steps from darkness into light, when they go from being a lost person to being a born-again person, God creates that person 
as a new creation. You become a new person. And the Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So this verse is teaching us that when we are created or saved, we are saved unto good works. Old is passed away. New person has been created. We're all born in sin. We're all born lost. But thank God Jesus died on the cross. He took our sins into his body. He bore our sins and he died for us so that if we would trust him as our savior, that our sins could be paid for, our sins could be forgiven. We become a child of God. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I hope you've done that. I hope you've been saved. You've been born again. I hope you have been created in Christ. We had the bass tournament. Brother Danny does a great job with the bass tournament. I was really excited to be able to speak to the, to the guys at the bass, bass tournament, and we, we went out fishing a little bit on Friday and had a great time, and I love the outdoors. We have at our church, we have what we call Sportsman's Night Out. It's not just for men. It's for families and and. Um, the very first year that we had it, about 10 years ago, we had about 600 people that came. It was a great start. Well, over the years, that thing has grown and grown and grown. Last year, of course, we had COVID, so we didn't get to do it. This last, we always have it in August. We didn't get to do it. But the year before that, we had over 4,000 people that came to this event. It's an incredible event. We give away shotguns and rifles. We give away uh, hunting trips to Montana. We give away a bass boat. We give away an RV. I mean, it just, we give away all these gigantic gifts and people just come. We give away about 100 different individual gifts. People come from all over. It's a great way for us to give the gospel to people that wouldn't normally come to church. Well, there's this one uh, sponsor that we have, Mike's Outdoors. And Mike's is owned by a fellow by the name of Stan, Stan Butler. And years ago, Stan and I became buddies. I'd go by there and I'd talk to him and we'd talk about the event and talk about what he was going to give, what he was going to donate this year. And he always donated, always one of our front line donators, one of our contributors. And we'd go by there and I just, stayed, I just made friends with him. We became buddies, you know. And um, he hurt his back. He got a lot of back problems. And so I prayed for him about that. His wife went into the hospital and I went up there and prayed for her. He's not a Christian. He didn't go to church. If he went, he went to another denomination, went to another religion, but he just really wasn't a, a Christian. He wasn't saved. He didn't, didn't even know what that meant. And so we just came, became buddies, and he'd come every year, and, and uh, one day he called me up. He said, Pastor, can I come to the office and talk to you? I said, sure. I'd love, love for you to come by, Stan. And so he came up, and we made an appointment. He came up. He came in the office and brought his wife with him. And we, we sat there for a moment. We just didn't make chit-chat. And then he said, he said, Pastor, this thing about being saved. He said, I don't understand that. He said, what does that mean? He said, I hear you talk about it at the sportsman's night out. And he, you know, I've been to your church a few times and I hear other, he said, but I really don't understand that. He said, the, the religion that I'm in, I just really didn't say that. I don't, what does that mean? And I said, well, I'll explain it to you, Stan. So I want you to know something. The Bible says that you're a sinner and that Jesus God's one and only son paid for your sin on the cross. I said, Stan, God didn't have two sons. He's only got one. And he was willing to give his one and only son, his perfect son, 
to hang on a cross. And as he hung on that cross, Stan, he took your sin and my sin into his body. And he paid the price for our sin. He took our judgment. And Stan, because he died on that cross and was buried in the grave, you know about, and that's what happens at Easter. He goes, yeah, I understand Easter. I said, because he arose from the grave at Easter time, that death, burial, and resurrection, Stan, you could trust in Jesus and what he did. You can believe in him. And he can forgive you of your sins. He'll be your savior. He'll create you into as a new person. Stan's a big old guy. <laughs> He's a big old guy. And man, I, big old tears started coming down his face. I knew that God was working on him. He said, Pastor, how can I do that? How do I, how do I get saved? I said, well, Stan, you get saved right here in the office. I didn't tell him, but my mom and dad got saved in the living room of our home when I was 15 years old. They knelt and got saved in our living room. You'd be saved anywhere. You'd be saved right here today, as a matter of fact. We had a couple saved in the first service. You can be saved right here today. And I said, Stan, you'd be saved right here in the office. He said, how do I do that? I said, well, I'll lead you in a prayer. And you can pray that prayer to God. You're not praying to the preacher. You're praying to God. He said, I'd like to do that, Pastor. And old Stan dropped down to his knees. It was hard for him. Boy, his back problems. He dropped down to his knees, got on his knees. His wife dropped down beside him over there. I started leading him in the prayer. He started praying that prayer. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross. He's praying that prayer after me. He prayed the whole thing all the way through. Lord, come into my heart and save me. After we got done praying, I could, I could hear his wife over there. She's praying too. She's praying the same prayer. We got done praying. Big old tears coming down. He's crying. You know, he walked over. He said, Pastor, can I give you a hug? I said, be careful, Stan. You're a lot bigger than I am, son. A lot bigger. He came over and gave me a big old bear hug, you know. And he said, thank you, preacher. God changed my life today. He got saved. Every Sunday now, third row back. Right there, just about where this lady right here is sitting. Every single Sunday, he's sitting right there with his wife. He never misses. He's inviting people to church all the time. What happened to Stan? God created a new person. He's born again now. He's saved. His sins are forgiven. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what God wants for you. He wants to create you as a new person person. But you listen to this. He doesn't create you as a new person to just sit soaking sour. Some people have the idea they're supposed to just get saved and then just kind of sit around in church, you know, and just soak it all in. I want you to know something. God didn't save you to sit soaking sour. The Bible says that you were created in Christ Jesus. Notice what it says, unto good works. You see, God saved you to become his creation, his workmanship unto good works. He wants you to serve him. God doesn't waste anything that he creates. He didn't create you for a waste. He created you for a purpose. You are created to be his tool, his workmanship to serve him unto good works to fulfill a purpose in life. Everybody in this room was created for a purpose. And that purpose ultimately is to know God 
and to serve him and to bring others to him. Now, according to Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse number one, the Bible talks about how we can make a difference in the church. Once you're saved and you understand that you are to serve God, then the Bible talks about how you can serve him in the church. Romans 12, beginning in verse number one, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God says, it's reasonable. Once you know me, it's reasonable to give yourself to me, surrender yourself to me, and serve me. And he goes on to say in verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. You see, this world wants you to conform to the culture of the world, to the image of the world. The world wants you to serve them. God wants you to serve him. God wants you to live and make a difference in the culture. God doesn't want you to be transformed by the culture. God wants you to be transformed by him and to serve him with your life. And the truth of the matter is, there's no better place to serve God than through the local church. I believe that the local church is the place that God today is using to make an impact, to make a difference in the world. Look at the next verse. The Bible says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought. In other words, don't think that you're up here and you shouldn't be using your life for God. Don't think that you're above serving God. Don't think that you're above that. No, the Bible says, humble yourself unto the Lord, and he will do great things through you. He goes on to say in the next verse, that we are a part of the body, for we are many members in one body. Now, let me explain it to you. I'm sure you understand that Jesus' church is a body, and there is a worldwide body of Christ. Everybody that is saved, whether they're in California or Michigan or Florida or South America, wherever, everybody that is saved is a member. They're part of the worldwide body of Christ. But understand this. You, those of you today that are saved in this church, you are a part of the local representation of the body of Christ. It's called the local church. This is the local representation of the body of Christ. And he says, there are many members in this body, but we're not all the same. Some are younger, some are older. You're different. You have different gifts. You have different talents, different abilities. He says we're all in the same body, but we're different. And he made us that way so that we could be used in the local church, in the body of Christ. Look at the next verse. The Bible says, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. We're all connected together. You know, the body, when it gets disconnected, I remember when I, I was playing football uh, back in, in the olden days, back when we used leather helmets. Y'all remember those days? <laughs> like one preacher said, back in the, in, the, in the olden days when nobody had any fun, you know, just terrible. But when I was playing football, I remember I was playing one day and this kid got hit. And man, it dislocated his shoulder. I mean, you could hear that thing go pop, you know? He's laying there on the ground. And in those days, you know, we didn't, we didn't do it like they do it today. You know, now they, 
anyway, they, anyway, anyway, back in those days, I'm not going to go there, but anyway, back in those days, the coach went over and just reached, grabbed his arm, grabbed his shoulder, and some of you guys know what I'm doing, and just put it back in place and said, get up, get back in there. Man. Well, when a shoulder gets displaced, when the body gets disjointed or displaced, it's not right. It doesn't work right. It doesn't function right. When the body becomes unhealthy because its members are not fitting together, not working together properly, then that body is not everything that it can be. You understand, in this body, in this local body, every one of you that are saved and are part of this body, God put you here on purpose for a purpose. You have something that God has called you and wants you to do. In this body, their eyes. In this body, their ears. In this body, their hands. In this body, their feet. In this body, their livers. <laughs> Some of y'all are livers. You know what livers are in the body of Christ? Livers are those that you never see, but they're very important. In other words, they do the behind-the-scenes work. There's people that make sure the bulletins are all done. There's people that make sure the buildings are all clean. There's people that make sure the coffee is ready, that everything's in its place for Sunday morning. Make sure that everything happens. And a lot of times, you don't even see those folks. And we see the people that are on the stage. Boy, Tom, didn't Tom and his group, the praise team and the band, don't they do an awesome job? Let's thank Tom. And, and his, man, that's, that's awesome, Scotty. They're doing great. It's great music. And you see those folks, and you know who they are, but what about those folks that are behind the scenes that you never see? They're very important. Your liver gets sick. If your liver gets messed up in your body, you get sick in your liver, you got problems, right? It's the same way in the body of Christ. So he calls us to find our place to serve him in the body. I tell our church all the time, we're always looking for ushers. And if you don't know how to be an usher, we'll teach you how to ush. <laughs> you don't know how to ush, we'll teach you how to ush. I guarantee you, we can we help you find a place. We always looking for people to work in the nursery. I'm sure y'all the same way here. Always looking for people to work in the nursery because Scotty ain't changing no diapers no more. So we got to have somebody else that'll be willing to change the diapers. You see what I'm saying? Everybody can find their place to make a difference in the body of Christ. How about you? What can you do? Well, write these three ideas down that you can do. Number one, you can make a generational difference. What do you, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Have you ever noticed in the Bible how there's a lot of talk about he begat him and him and she and they and all those begats in the Bible. You start in the book of Matthew in the very first chapter of the book of Matthew and what happens? You got the whole lineage that leads up to Jesus. I mean, it goes through all the family background leading up to Jesus. You look at the Old Testament, it does the same thing. Why? Because God is, a, is interested in generations. God is interested in mama and daddy. God is interested in mom and daddy when they have children and those children God is interested in those mama and daddy and then children one day becoming grandparents, grandmama, granddaddy. God's interested in family. And you can make a difference in this world by being a, a difference maker in your family. 
being the best husband you can be, being the best wife that you can be, making sure that you raise your kids in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord, you can make a generational difference. I'm a grandfather now. And I got six grandkids. You go, no, you're not old enough to be a grandkid. Grandfather. No way you'd be a grandfather. Well, I started real young. My wife and I got married. We got married when we were 12. <laughs> that's a joke, kids. Young people, don't, that's not that's a joke. Don't really try that, okay? Some of you parents just got nervous. Don't say that, preacher. They'll be right. But I got grandkids. I got six grandkids. You know, God is holding me accountable for those grandkids. I can make a difference in their life, and I hope I am. So you can make a generational difference. Write the next one down. You can make a financial difference. A financial difference? What do you mean, Pastor? How can I make a financial difference? You understand that a church like this that's growing, it takes money. You can't build a church on spare time and pocket change. You can't. It takes people that are willing to commit their time and to commit their dollars, their money. You're going to have to expand. You're going to have to get more parking. You've got to get the lot next door. And land up here is not cheap. <laughs> we just bought 40 acres in, in Pensacola for $700,000. You're going, wow. You can't even buy a quarter of an acre here for that. It's incredible. So it costs a lot of money up here to get property. It costs a lot of money to expand and keep these buildings nice, and I love it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big deal on keeping your buildings looking sharp, making them clean and nice and freshly painted all the time, making the grounds look good. It costs money to do that. So you, can, as a member of the body, can make a big difference if you'll be a giver. You should start out by being a tither, and then as God blesses you, maybe you own a business and your business grows. Figure out ways that you can designate some of that money that you're making in your business. Designate it to help the church. It's a good thing to do. This church can go forward. If you will commit your time and you'll commit your talents and you'll commit your treasures to God, you can make a difference. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of money. Just give what you have. Just be faithful and loyal in giving what you have. God can use you to make a difference financially in this church. And you need to do that. Everybody needs to do that. So you can make a generational difference. Hey, everybody in this room could make a difference financially. Let me give you the last one. You could make a difference evangelistically. What do you mean by that? I mean evangelism, winning people to Christ. You know, the Bible says that we are to be a part of the Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission was given to the church. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to do what we can do to get people to Jesus, to win people to Christ. It is so cool that you have a circle of influence. You know, there's people that you can influence that the pastor will never influence. God's put you in their life and them in your life. And you can be a testimony. You can invite them to come to church with you. Maybe they'll hear the gospel and get saved. There were several of you yesterday that invited your buddies to come to the fishing tournament, and they heard the gospel. And I'm sure there were some that made decisions for Christ. That You see, that's evangelism. And you can make a difference in people's lives 
when you are sharing the gospel with other people or bringing them to Christ, bringing them to church so that they can hear about Jesus and get saved. Just like two got saved in the first service. I told you about Stan and how Stan got saved in my office. Well, after Stan got saved, he said to me, Pastor, I got a son that's got a lot of issues. 30-something, 34 years old. He said, Pastor, he's drinking like a fifth of vodka a day. He needs help. Can you help him? I said, well, I'll do my best, Stan. And so I met his son. We became buddies. Started talking to him. He came by my office one day, and we talked, and I presented the gospel to him, told him how to become a Christian. He said, nah, I just not, I'm not ready to do that. He didn't want to give up his alcohol. He was afraid of, of, of a big step in life like that. He just didn't want to give it up. He didn't want to stop. He didn't want to change. He said, nah, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it, but no. Well, I stayed friends with him and kept talking to him, you know, and so forth, invited him to church and all those kind of things. His dad was working on him. One day I was up in Georgia talking with a fella uh, about our outdoors event, and I was driving home. I was coming down the interstate, um, coming back to Pensacola, and my phone rang, and Chris, his name came up. And I thought, man, I better answer this, you know, what, see what he wants. And so I answered, I said, Yes, sir, bud, what's going on, man? What can I do for you? He said, Pastor, I'm done. I said, what do you mean you're done? He said, I've had it. I can't take any more. He said, it's drinking and the life that I'm living. He said, I just, I just, I just can't do it anymore. He said, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm going to end it all today. I said, Chris, no, don't, don't say that, man. Don't say that. There's hope. God loves you. He can change your life. Don't do that. I said, where are you? He said, I'm in my trailer. I said, where are you exactly? He said, I'm sitting on the edge of my bed. I said, Chris, why don't you give Jesus a chance? Why don't you get saved today? He said, all right, I'll try. I said, get on your knees beside your bed. I could hear him the phone, you know, I'm, I'm talking on the phone to him and he, I could hear his phone, you know, and he got down on his knees. I said, Chris, I'm going to lead you in the prayer. And you're not praying to me. You're praying to, you're, you're, you're praying to God Almighty. And I said, he'll change you today, son, if you'll listen to him. And you'll pray this prayer. He said, I'll do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. And I prayed. Pray after me. Dear Jesus. I heard him. Dear Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I believe you died on that cross for me, Jesus. I believe you died on that cross. He's praying the prayer, man. He's praying it. I could hear the emotion in his voice. God was getting a hold of his heart. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sins. We're buried and rose again. He prayed that prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and change my life. He prayed that prayer. He said, Jesus, come in and save me. He got saved. He got up off his knees. I said, Chris, God saved you. He said, preacher, I'm a new person. He said, man, he said, you think it worked? I said, Chris, it worked. I promise you, it worked, buddy. He said, all right, 
what do I do next? I started telling him, you know, I said, you got to come to church. We got to get together and we got to talk. I said, you're not going to end it all. No, 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 it's over. I, I, I promise. I know. Chris came to church, came by my office one day. He said, Pastor, I, I'm still battling this alcohol. What do I do? We got him in a Christian rehab uh, down in South Florida. He was there for six months. Completely got him off of alcohol. Completely dried him out. I mean, they were teaching him the Bible every day, getting his life together. He got out of there after six months. He came back. He comes to church now every Sunday. It's so cool. Every Sunday he comes to church. He wears short pants <laughs> and, a, and a shirt hanging out. He sits on the very back row every single Sunday. I go back there and I shake his hand and say, hey, Chris, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Thank you, preacher. The other day, he, he had a girl with him. He said, this is my girlfriend, preacher. I said, is she blind? You know, <laughs> he started laughing. No, nah, she sees good. He said, man, she loves Jesus too. I said, way to go, Chris. Changed his life. I read into him the other day at Publix. I was in there, and my wife makes me go do the grocery shopping now, you know, because I'm old. So I was doing the grocery shopping, and I'm in there walking around, you know, and here come Chris down the aisle. Had his buggy all full of stuff. I walked over there to his buggy, and I started picking through it. He said, preacher, you ain't going to find no alcohol in there. I said, ain't nothing in there, is it? He said, no. He called me the other day. He goes to our most excellent way program, which is a program for drug and alcohol addicted people. We help them stay off drugs and alcohol. They meet on Monday night at our church. He called me the other day. He said, pastor, I got my one-year pen. I've been sober for one year. Hadn't had a single drop. Awesome. Listen to me, friend. The Bible says that you were, can be, made new. Become God's workmanship. A member of his church. Serving God. Making a difference in your family. With your dollars. And by telling other people how to know Jesus. It's you and that's me. I hope that you will make a difference. Be a difference maker. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Be a difference maker. Nobody looking around. Maybe you today are like Stan. Hey, a good guy. Just don't know Jesus personally. Maybe you're like his son. Maybe you got issues. I don't know. I tell you one thing all of us are sinners. All of us got some kind of issue. And Jesus died for every single one in this building. And he loves you. He loves you. And he wants to save you. If you've never been saved, then right there in your seat today, you can pray and receive Jesus into your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it quietly. God can hear you. You're not praying to the preacher. You're praying to God Almighty right there where you are. If you'd like to receive Jesus into your heart, just pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried in the grave and that you arose from the grave. I believe that you can forgive me today of my sins and be my Savior. God, come into my heart. Forgive me. I trust you today as my Savior. 
change my life, I pray. In Jesus' name. Nobody looking around. Please, nobody looking. It's very private. Just so I'll know, is there anybody in this room that said, Preacher, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. I'm not ashamed of it. I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Just put your hand up where I can see it. Yeah, there's a hand right there. Yeah, there's a hand right there. Yeah, there's two hands I've seen. There's a hand over there. There's three hands. Awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, Preacher, just put it up where I can see. Wow. That's so awesome. And maybe you've already been saved, but you just haven't been living like you ought to live. Today, you ought to make that commitment to make a difference. I want to pray for you. Father, for those that are saved but are not living as they should, they're not really making a difference. Maybe they haven't been given as they should. Maybe they haven't been serving or not inviting anybody to church. They're just kind of taking it all for granted. Maybe they changed today. May today be a new day for them. May they turn to you. May you change their life that they make a difference. I pray in Jesus' name. I know a lot of you probably made decisions. And as Scotty mentioned, there's a card, a connection card. On that connection card, if you'll just put on the back of it there. Maybe if you got saved today, just put an S on there. I like I tell our people all the time, just put an S on there. That way we'll know for sure that you made that decision. If there's other decisions you made, they're on that card. Hope that you'll fill that out and uh, and, and uh, let, let the church know what you've done today. Thank you so much.